A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm John Norman, Talk Sports Cricket Editor. I've been an England cricket fan all of my life, and to be honest, it's aged me. The 1980s were awful. No more devastating manner in which to bring up a victory. West Indies won this Cornhill Test match at Headingley. England were thoroughly outplayed by Viv Richards' team. The 1990s, even worse. It is over. Fraser is given LBW, and that is an historic victory for South Africa. First one at Lord since 1935 and only their sixth in England. And to be honest, the start of the 21st century wasn't that great either. In terms of cricket, it's been one disaster after another. And throughout all of my life, there's been one team who's caused me more pain than any other. Australia. Oh, yes, 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 yes! Australia have beaten England by five to nothing. A once-in-a-century team, Ponting, Hayden, McGrath, Gilchrist. The names roll off the tongue as easily as amber nectar. But for an England cricket fan, they left a taste like curdled milk. But out of all of the Aussies to batter us, and there were quite a few, there was one who was special. A man touched by godlike genius. He won World Cup single-handed. He celebrated Ashes triumphs pretty much like a normal fan would. And he got in trouble off the field nearly as much as he succeeded on it. He was the Diego Maradona of cricket. And his name was Shane Warne. And bowled him! How about that? <laughs> Absolutely brilliant from Shane Warne. Across 14 years and eight Ashes series, Shane Warne was the thorn in England's side. Oh, and that's out. Caught behind. Yes, he's got him. Fast ball. Beautifully bowled by Warne. He brought masterful mind games. He always came up with like smart comments. He said to Paul Collingwood, he goes, how did you earn an MBE? Because you didn't really play in the 05 Ashes. A stubbornness at the crease. His batting was more of a thorn on our side than his bowling. And his bowling got 40 wickets. That series wouldn't be the greatest series if it wasn't for Shane Warne, because I think England would have won comfortably. And of course, unplayable Leg spin. Now go across my stumps, he'd bowl the straight one, he didn't turn, out LBW, every single time. The biggest thing that separated England to Australia was Shane Warne. These are the many highs, and sadly, not that many lows, of Shane Warne's Ashes career. And this is a following-on special. Warney, England's Ashes nemesis.
So let me take you back. The year is 1993. I'm a teenager. I've got Smashing Pumpkins' latest LP on the record player. There I am, sitting in my front room, a chicken and mushroom pot noodle on the go. It's day two of the first test in Manchester, and Mr Reliable himself, Mike Gatting, is at the crease. England, nicely positioned, 80 for one. The Aussie captain, Alan Border, a gnarled old pro carved out of Uluru, throws the ball to a young, fresh-faced leg spinner. First ball in test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Well, that has turned about two and a half feet. Gatting can't believe his eyes. What a start for Shane Warne. That was a decent bowl, bowl by a decent bowler, and, and I'm very, you know, you, you can only accept that they were part of history for that. He, he couldn't have bowled it in a better place. And, of course, because it was going down the leg side, I thought, well, that's great, nice little sight to see what's happening. So, you know, it did, it turned. Ian Healy was down the leg side. The reason I stood there in amazement was because you didn't hear the ball hit the stumps, because it didn't. It just flicked the bail off, and you didn't hear a thing apart from uh, after a little while, about uh, two or three seconds, Ian Healy offering me to leave the crease in no uncertain terms. And unfortunately for us, it un- undid us a little bit in, in that series as well because um, I think everybody was sort of saying, you know, getting playing war, not a problem, mate, you know. And um, in, in the end, um, it turned out to be quite a significant um, point in a test series, unfortunately, because it was the first test match too. What had I just seen? Gats is our best player of spin. He's just been bamboozled by a ball that turned more than a boomerang. Warren had made his mark with a delivery known in this country as the ball of the century. In Australia, even 25 years on, it's known as that ball. He added a further seven wickets across two innings, helping Australia to win by 179 runs. Shane Warne named in his first Ashes Test player of the match. And as Australia cruised to a 4-1 series victory, he took a staggering 34 wickets, making him player of the series. But just how clear was it back then that Warren was a superstar in the making? Oh, my God, was it obvious? Though we'd heard about Warren, who had announced himself in Sri Lanka winning a test match from nowhere where Alan Border bought him on the bowl and he was frightened to bowl, actually looked at Border as if to say, me, now, are you sure? The game had gone, it seemed, and Warren won it for them. But when he came to England and bowled the gatting ball and then knocked over England a couple of times and in certain sportsmen there is a magic... And you can't really describe it. In his case, it was obviously talent, strength of character, strength of body, belief. He had it all. I mean, literally, he had it all. That's Mark Nicholas, part of the TalkSport 2 commentary team, former Hampshire cricketer, Ashes commentator, and a great friend of Shane Warne. And Warne's performance in that test caught the attention back home as well. Here's cricket commentator and another part of TalkSport 2's cricket team, Jarrah Kimber. I came from Victoria and Melbourne, the same as he did. And when I played, everyone wanted to be Merv Hughes or Tony Dodamade, Paul Rifle. There were all these seamers that came through, you know, uh, Melbourne cricket. And that's what everyone wanted to be. And I was the only leg spinner in my competition. That was in 1991, 92. By 94, I was playing in teams with four leg spinners in them. We had had leg spin in Australia before, but really, Richie Benno was the last player, and he was now a senior person in the commentary box. It completely changed the way that cricket was played in Australia. No 
1994, Australia were back on home turf. Warney was preparing for his first home ashes. And England fast bowler Darren Goff was getting ready for his first ashes. First time I met him, a guy we both know, David Norrie, journalist, took me and Warney out in Brisbane. Warney obviously was just coming through as a proper superstar there. And we went for dinner to this real posh fish restaurant in, in Brisbane. And David Norrie, typical, ordered a bottle of wine for himself and had ordered the oysters to start and a fish main course, fish of the day, whatever. Me and Warney, and we'd never met, by the way, we both looked at each other and we both, just by looking at each other, knew exactly what was coming. And it was toasted cheese and ham sandwiches and chips and a pint of lager. And we both ordered exactly the same thing and we hit it off from that moment in time. But once they were back on the pitch, Warney picked up where he left off. First test at the Gabba. That's out. That's the end of the test match. And eight wickets for Shane Warne, 11 for the test match. His best figures in a test match, he's taken 11. And Warney was player of the match again. England thumped by 184 runs. In the second test on his home ground at the MCG, there was a very special moment. England were on their way to getting skittled again. Oh, oh and they hit the pad. Yes, he's got him. That's out. RBW. And that is the end of De Freitas. That isn't the special moment, by the way. Phil De Freitas falls to Warren with a score 91 for 7. And in walked our man, Darren Goff. During those early doors of my cricket, it was passing your seatbelts. I used to go in and just peg up. So Darren Goff, who's a bit of a fighter, and uh, he's striding out to the centre now. I was living the dream. I was going out to bat in front of 100,000 people at Melbourne, playing for England against Australia. I had total confidence, but I was going to go in and smash him everywhere. Daffy got done by a flipper, which absolutely did him every time. Um, Daffy didn't have a clue when that was coming. And then with me, I got the leg spinner. Oh, and that's out, caught behind. Yes, he's got him, fast ball. Beautifully bowled by Ward. And I pushed forward, it bounced and caught the glove. The noise, when he's at the end of his mark, he just lived for it, didn't he? And when he got me out, obviously I was distraught. But one thing you do know when you're out... You do switch off and you, the noise is incredible. So Shane Warne on a hat-trick. He's uh, got two in two and he's going to bowl to Devon Malcolm. Devon obviously passed me and uh, I didn't say much to him, to be fair. <laughs> and then I think he told Devon, didn't he? He was going to bowl him the Google uh, with Booney there at short leg. Yes! I heard it when I was taking off his pads, but he got the hat-trick, which is an iconic moment. When you played against him, or when you turned up, you were fascinated just to see Shane Warne walk out. That strut he had walking out to the middle, that smile he had, that energy he had, that made you feel welcome as though you were one of his mates. But he was reeling you in, reeling you in, because when you come out of that, guess what? That's another one. That's uh, 520, uh, 521, 522. It was that easy for him. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was an absolute genius at what he did. England all out for 92. Australia moved 2-0 up in the series and they eventually won it 3-1. Two for two in the Ashes stakes for Shane Warne. And it's hat-trick in that second test. A true sign that he was beginning to dominate the English batsmen, not just with technique, but psychologically as well. The 94-95 series is now better known for the birth of something that the English can be proud of. A large contingent of fans travelled over to Australia to support their team. 
and the love-hate relationship between Shane Warne and the Barmy Army was born. Here's Paul Burnham, one of the founding members. The first bit of banter with Shane was um, in Melbourne. Undoubtedly, the um, first uh, reaction from Shane Warne to the Barmy Army was the hat-trick and... Um, he certainly acknowledged that the guys that had been giving him a bit of banter during that um, early part of the Melbourne Test match, and he definitely was 1-0 up. We move on to 1997. It was a closer battle with the series finishing 3-2. It went Australia's way, but Goffey and England gave them a scare at Edgbaston. In the pivotal fifth test, Warren took four for 86 in the first innings, setting Australia on course for a 264-run victory. And after the game, there was only ever going to be one man front and centre of the celebrations. Australia have won by 264 runs. If you uh, hadn't worked that out from Shane Warren's uh, jubilation. I remember it well, watching Warney. A stump above his head, shaking his body from left to right. He looked like a green and gold lava lamp. He looked ridiculous. It was crass. It was classless. It was vulgar. It was exactly how I would have celebrated. If you're a performer, you will behave in a way you would never even imagine yourself behaving. He just lost the plot because of the enormity of the moment and, and, and the fact that when you triumph in a competitive moment against the old enemy, you aren't necessarily responsible for your immediate actions. In 1999, the Aussies were still partying, running away 3-1 winners at home. Warney, though, would miss four tests through injury, and he was outbowled by Stuart McGill in the final test. Two years later, a similar result followed in England, a 4-1 thumping. It was all getting a little bit too much, to be honest. Just how could we stop them? In 2002, the Ashes were back in Australia. In the first test, England were hammered again. The Aussies running out winners by 384 runs. That 2002 team is probably the best cricket team in my lifetime. England fast bowler Steve Harmison was playing in his first Ashes. We were a bit of a shambles going into that series because we took a million players, none of them were fit, playing against the likes of Warren and McGrath, Steve War. Going on the field going, well, if I can compete at this level, I can play against anybody. It can't get any harder than this. It really can't. Australia aware against this team, the people that you grew up watching. You grew up watching Shane Warne. And he was just box office. You know, He's got an aura about him. Sometimes you got caught up and I made this mistake more than once watching him and not concentrating on the game so you stand at the non-strikers end and you find yourself just staring at Shane Warne just flicking the ball up in the air because he was he was box office it was weird and if there was a show to be had you could be sure that Warne would be the star here's Jared Kimber again he had a pause at the top of his mic that was just longer than anyone else the camera was on him for so much more when he would go down to put the dirt on his hands, that was what uh, Russell Crowe did in Gladiator. That was a homage to Shane Warne. Shane Warne was so cinematic that in one of the biggest movies of all time, there's a Shane Warne moment in it. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? But with Australia 3-0 up in the series, disaster for Warne and Australia. It's an ODI midway through the tests, and he went to field from his own bowling. What's happened here? Shane Warne writhing around on the ground in agony. There's a problem with that right shoulder. You can still see it now. We're sitting, there was me, Adam Holyoke, Rob Key sitting in a dugout, more or less right behind it. All got hit straight back down the ground and he's 
gone to die for it. And you heard the yelp straight away. You heard the scream straight away. You knew that was obviously it was serious. I actually went onto the field. I think I went onto the field because I was 12th man for that game. You'd think that you know, careers were in jeopardy. And if you knew the man and you knew the, the character, there was no way Warney was... He was going to let that finish his career. He still had unfinished business. Warren ended up missing the last two tests and his misery wouldn't end there. He was then banned for taking a diuretic and he was at a real low point in his career. Which brings us to 2005. So how would the greatest bowler perform in a series now known as the greatest? Warren came into it feeling the heat. His ex-Aussie keeper, Adam Gilchrist. I reckon that series, that summer, I don't know if he could have been under much more pressure. He was going basically through a marriage breakup, a separation. He was going through a whole lot of other stuff. Warney could be everything going his way. Life could have been perfect, but he still could have found something to whinge about and complain about and something going wrong. And yet, in a flip of a coin or a blink of an eye, he can be the most positive, happy bloke ever. If if someone goes, oh, Warney, remember, it's a really bad day for you, but that function's on right, and it could be good fun. Oh, yeah, right, let's go to the cart. Oh, yeah, got blackjack. Yeah. He can go up and down like a yo-yo, but you knew that once it was time to switch on, he was he was going to give it everything. And he, he probably loved being down or on the back foot against England more than anyone else in the cricketing world, and that usually produced the best. In the first test at Lords, it was Australia again who came out on top. Warren took six wickets across the two innings and he appeared to be back to his best. But then there was a huge setback for Australia. In the middle of Edgbaston, Glenn McGrath is writhing on the ground. McGrath has trodden on a cricket ball in the warm-up. He's out of the match. With McGrath out, Warren became the spearhead of Australia's attack. And in the second test at Edgbaston, there was a rogue call from Aussie captain Ricky Ponting. Ricky Ponting has won the toss. What are you going to do, Ricky? Uh, we're going to have a bowl this morning, mate, with the uh, overhead conditions the way they are. And uh, the wicket probably being still a few days behind, even after a couple of days of sun. Uh, hopefully we can do some damage this morning. McGrath gets injured. Ponting bowls, bowls first on the flattest wicket ever. And, you know, Warney's now bowling after nine overs at Edgebaston. And some of the things that Warney was saying... You can't repeat on 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 any sort of broadcasting platform because you know he, he in his eyes his captain made the wrong decision and he told him on more than one occasion not only was your competitor against you you know Shane was very good at saying what he thought and I can't imagine him saying very nice things to Ricky Ponton that morning. But Warren was at his best, picking up ten wickets, including six for forty six in the second innings. One of those wickets, a bamboozling delivery to Andrew Strauss at the start of the second innings. And bowled him. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant from Shane Warne. It was a, it was an incredible ball, but gotta be fair, Straussy played it. It was a, it was a shocker. Come on, Straussy, could have kicked it. Yeah, you could see why Straussy went to a posh school and he was a rugby player and he wasn't a footballer because his footballing skills in the mornings weren't the greatest. And you've seen that he's gone to kick it and missed it by a foot and a half. Former England spinner Monty Panesar remembers speaking to Strauss about facing Warne. I remember Andrew Strauss saying at the time he goes, "He'll look you in the eye." And you kind of think that I'm going to get you out like this and this is how I'm going to get you out. You know, look look through you like to tell you that this is I'm going to get you out now. And that's who he was. He wanted to be the match winner. He want, he was the match winner. And that's the kind of stuff which he brought to cricket. has done a despair on the faces of the batsmen and joy 
for every England player on the field. It was a tense finish at Edgbaston, but England ran out winners by two runs. Warren and Australia were back on level terms. During a frantic, thrilling series, Warren was front and centre for Australia. And that was something which the Barmy Army embraced. Here's Paul Burnham. Yeah, 2005 is a, is an interesting series. Obviously, it was um, very much ramped up. Shane Warne definitely got some stick. You know, he was back page, but also front page a lot of the time. And yeah, it was some disappointing chance, to be honest, during the 2005 series. I think when we go abroad, the Barmy Army songs tend to be a little bit cleverer, but there was some just direct abuse. We actually, uh, I found it a little bit uncomfortable firing him up and talking about his personal life um, in a very abusive way. Uh, in 05, uh, didn't help our cause at all. The third test at Old Trafford was tense. The series tied at one apiece. But as Steve Harmison points out, it wasn't just Warren's bowling which was hampering England's progress. His ability to come in at the end of an innings and you know, throw a counter-punch was massive. His batting was more of a thorn on our side than his bowling, and his bowling got 40 wickets. He got 19 wickets more than anybody else in our team. That's how good Sheeran Warren was. 90-odd at, um, at Old Trafford. Harmison's the man out at uh, long on. A half century for Shane Warne. The rear guard at Edgebaston, he just, time after time, he just kept coming back at us. And it was Warne that came back at us in that series. But we felt as though, from a bowling point of view, we had a lot of their players' numbers. But Warren was just, he was just such a, such a competitor that every time we felt as though we were, right, we're going to win this game, he'd come back with a battle with a ball. That series wouldn't have been the greatest series if it wasn't for Shane Warren because I think England would have won comfortably. Warren scored 90 in the first innings. He dragged Australia to 302. And despite England declaring their next innings, they couldn't get the job done on a stubborn Aussie tail. The match was drawn. Warren was ruthless in the fourth test at Trent Bridge, this time with the ball, taking eight wickets and pushing England all the way, despite the fact that Australia had been forced to follow on. England needed 129 to win. Mark Nicholas was the face of Channel 4's coverage. I think Ricky Ponny should have opened the bowling with him. I remember we talked about it in the commentary box at the time. I think he was the threat. Bowl him. I mean, like, if you've got Malcolm Marshall or Dennis Lilly, you're going to bowl them. Why don't you bowl Shane Warne? With that new hard ball on that surface, I think he could have won them that game, and he very nearly did anyway. And that's it. Those are the winning runs for England in this fourth test match at Trent Bridge. England go to a 2-1 lead in the series. Harmy, Flintoff, Vaughan and co prevailed though. And finally, finally as an England fan, I was confident that we could beat Shane Warne and the Aussies. Then came the final test at the Oval and Warne had a moment to forget. Oh. Warne's gone down now. Lee's got his hands on his head. He dropped Peterson at the start of his innings at the Oval. For all his genius, that was a very simple, he was a really good catcher and Fielder, a pretty simple slip catch. Even worn, a momentary lapse of concentration. Down it goes. England held on for a draw. The series was secured. We got one over on the Aussies, despite the constant competition provided from Warren. He'd taken 40 wickets across the series, 16 more than second best, sharing the Man of the Series award with Freddie Flintoff. He had been peerless, even in defeat. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. But it couldn't end there. 2006-07, and the Aussies were waiting for us. I say us, because I was sent out there for talk sport. I watched every day of every test, and once again, it was worn that proved to be the difference. Ah! Amazing. Amazing. This man is incredible. Look at England. Here comes Sean Warren. It was his final ashes at home, taking four wickets at the Gabba in the first test. Australia striding to victory by 277 runs. And I saw all of them. Going into the third test at his home ground, the MCG in Melbourne, 699 wickets in his career. No bowler had ever reached 700. He needed just one more. Monty Panesar was watching from the balcony. He wrote his own scripts. He wanted to be at Melbourne, 100,000 people. The whole arena was just electric. Got him! There it is! Wicket number 700! And they can't catch him! Shame Ward through the gate as got Strauss. I've never experienced a feeling like that. Warney probably ran faster during that celebration than he's ever run before in his life. And the noise that was in there, I've been at St James's Park many, many times on ridiculously loud occasions. Me and Mumbai, the Wankiri Stadium, in a one-day game when they're all going off is deafening. Karachi, deafening. But MCG was up there when Shane Warne got Straussy and yeah, cue the celebration. I didn't really feel like it at the time, but you know what? Having watched it on replay a million times since and looking back and thinking about it, it was a magical moment. And fittingly, considering Warren's dominance of English cricket over the years, I suppose it was the defining moment of that 5-0 Aussie whitewash. During some of those games, Monty got used to Warren's infectious, larger-than-life personality and, of course, 
a little bit of sledging. I remember, you know, he famously said, oh, you played one test match 33 times, which was a, probably a compliment, you know, that, yeah, Shane wants to take your notice on my bowling and, and, and he's probably looking at the way I'm bowling and everything like that. He always came up with, like, smart comments. I asked, I did, I remember, I said, you know, when it comes to sledging, what is the art of sledging? He goes, the art of sledging is, say something that is quite personal, but not offensive either you want them to be getting out of the zone he said to Paul Collingwood he goes how did you earn an MBE because you, you didn't really play in the 05 Ashes you know he laughed I think we all laughed but it was like you know it, it gets you away from your um, zone doesn't it but off the field rivalries are always put aside Worn as gracious as ever, especially when Monty asked him for some tips. I remember actually during the Ashes, um, I asked him to have a look at my bowling. He came to the nets. He goes, so as you're bowling, he goes, make sure you accelerate that wrist, a snap on the wrist as you, you know, get your hips to go up and over. As I snapped it, you could see the ball just really turning a lot. You know, it's turning and bouncing. So he had little things like that. He would pick very quickly and... Um, he had a very gut feel, you know, that, that his intuition was so strong, like he, he would have to see you face to face and, and you think, yeah, that's right. That's what you need to do. And I think he, he really enjoyed that. I think he enjoyed giving his time to people. He felt like cricket has given him so much. Any opportunity that there to give his time to anyone, any any person, young children, whoever it is, he was so happy to you know give up his time. Nobody's put me through more pain in my life from a sporting perspective, than Shane Warne. 14 years of it. But despite all the pain, you just couldn't help but adore him. He was just a good man. And he was also a, a person that, yes, everybody wanted to be around because he was Shane Warne. But when he was in a room, you know, the room was brighter and cricket was brighter when Shane was tired of talking about it or playing it. For me, that's the, the real sort of tragedy of of his sad passing. Shane Warne was the type of guy who would, like, in the morning have breakfast with the Queen and then in the evening he'll be in the local pub with the punter. You know, he, he was a man for everyone. I think that's the bit a lot of people miss. He's amongst the three or four best cricketers that have ever lived and amongst the three or four most relevant cricketers that ever lived because he changed the game. Fantastically fun human being, a very loyal human being and you knew every time if you walked into a party and morning was there, you'd have a good time. So, Shane, for all the magical moments, the celebrations, the hair dye, the showmanship, the forever stuck out tongue, the competitiveness, the dad dancing, the thrashing of my beloved England in the ashes, the spaghetti hoops, the fielding, the batting, and of course the leg spin. Shane Warne, you beauty. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.